Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be here with you in worship today. As Jeff said, um, I am Tony Arnold, the online campus pastor. And uh, if you happen to look at your sermon notes, you probably notice a discrepancy. Wait a minute. Is this a bait and switch? It says Pastor John Spate. Well, uh, as you heard in uh, Jeff's uh, prayer that um, Pastor John and Rosemary are currently um, mourning the loss of Rosemary's mother. So please, let's all keep them in their prayers. But what that means for right now is you're stuck with me. <laughs> Hopefully that's a good thing for many of you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> So um, actually, this weekend, I'm the only pastor here. Pastor Ryan is actually preaching at a, as a guest at another church. So, um, so it's all me today. And uh, what you're getting, what you're getting, it's really interesting. What you're getting is you're getting a mashup of Pastor John and Pastor Tony. Because on Wednesday evening, when we found out what had happened, I went up to his office and he hands me five pages of handwritten a uh, sermon manuscript, and he says, okay, do something with this. And so I, I start working on it, and I find out, okay, well, I'm going to have to write the last quarter of this thing. So you're getting a, a very interesting mashup of Pastor John and Pastor Tony this morning. And we are going to be continuing our also starring the Gospel Supporting Cast series. Um, this one's been really fun for me. Uh, it's been a way that we look closely at um, some of the characters in Scripture that we may never have really heard of before or even really kind of um, dug into. So over the first few weeks, we've looked at uh, Silas, Titus, and Lydia was from this past week. Uh, you know, some of them you may never have heard of, and that's okay, because the whole purpose of this series is to help us realize that, you know, that it's quite possible that we'll go through our whole lives without uh, our names even making it into print. Um, but that's okay, because God knows our faithfulness. God knows what it is that we do, how we step out in faith for him, and God will uh, bless us for that. And so each and every one of us are the gospel supporting cast. All of us here gathered in Fairfax Station and all of you gathered online, we are the gospel supporting cast. But today we're going to look at something we haven't seen yet. You know, we've looked at men such as Silas and Titus. We've looked at women such as Lydia. So today we're going to look at, in, in this series, we're going to look at our first couple uh, so this is a, I call them kind of a power couple, or you could think of them as a dynamic duo. And some of you may even um, be able to name a few dynamic duos off the top of your head. How about Batman and Robin, Adam West style? <laughs> or maybe uh, Jekyll and Hyde, although this one's a little bit of a stretch, you know, on whether or not that's an actual duo. Um, or perhaps uh, Lewis and Clark, or uh, Bert and Ernie. So we have many, many dynamic duos we can probably name off the top of our head. So you, you kind of get the idea. Uh, but today we're going to look at another dynamic duo. Uh, you may not recognize them, not like you recognize the others. And by the way, this is not a candid shot of the first century. I wish we had the technology back then, um, but we didn't. Um, this, is a, this is from a movie. Um, and we're going to be learning about Aquila and Priscilla today. Uh, and so, uh, to kind of kick it off um, with this couple, which is uh, a supporting cast member in the gospel, we're going to look and see how they come onto the scene in the book of Acts, chapter 18. 
Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So, in our story today, Paul leaves Athens, and he goes to Corinth. You can see Athens over here, and then Corinth over here. And we don't know if Paul uh, traveled by boat or if he traveled by land. It's, it's roughly about 50 miles distance between those two places. Uh, but regardless of how Paul traveled, what we, what we learn is when Paul arrives in Corinth, uh, he is broke, flat out broke. He doesn't have a coin uh, to his name. And so uh, what Paul does uh, is he uh, meets uh, this couple. And this couple uh, is named uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Actually, this picture right here kind of gives you some context of um, ancient Corinth. Uh, you can see the ruins here. This was a very built-up city. Actually, um, Paul left Athens, which was a major city in antiquity, but Corinth was also a pretty major city. It was the capital of the Roman province of Achaia. So Paul was going from important city to important city in the effort to spread the gospel news. Now, in those days, it was customary for a rabbi like Paul uh, to find a secular trade, to find work that he could um, get into to support himself. Uh, how many of you know what Paul's profession was? Just call it out. Right. Paul was a tent maker. Um, and one of the things that was interesting, or both Pastor John and I found interesting when we prepared this message, is that when you look at the Greek word that we translate as tent maker, uh, it actually better translates as something like leather worker. So somebody who works with leather. And so, uh, you know, either way, however we slice it, Paul was a talented craftsman. So Paul shows up in Corinth to find a job, and he meets this couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Why don't we say those names together? Priscilla, Aquila. One more time. Priscilla, Aquila. That's right. So Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila, and wouldn't you know it, they also happen to be tent makers. And so Paul joins their tent making company to make a living there while he's in Corinth. Now, as a person of faith, I find the fact that Paul met these other tent makers to be kind of a little bit more of a coincidence. You know, I don't think, I don't think it, well, let me say it this way. I don't think it was a coincidence as a person of faith. In fact, I think that God does this kind of thing all the time in our lives. If we, like Brian said earlier, if we're paying attention to God's presence in our lives. And so, you know, I think sometimes God will jumpstart a new relationship or a new mission um, based on us being in the right place at the right time with the right person. You know, it's not something we can manufacture on our own. It's something that God brings about in his good timing. And in the case of Paul meeting Priscilla and Aquila, it was the beginning of what's called a beautiful friendship. And so, what do we know about this power couple, this dynamic duo, Priscilla and Aquila? Well, we already know that they are tent makers like Paul, but we also know that they were not originally from Corinth. They actually traveled to Corinth from Rome, Italy. Now, 
a lot of us leave Northern Virginia, we retire or we, uh, we, we change jobs to get away from the stress, to get away from the traffic of this area. Um, but this isn't the reason that Priscilla and Aquila left Rome. The reason they left Rome was because of a person, specifically this person right here. How many of you remember who this was from last week? That's right. This is the Roman Emperor Claudius. And in the year 49 AD, Claudius expelled the Jews from the city of Rome. And so Priscilla and Aquila happened to be among those who were expelled from Rome. And they went all the way to Corinth to start a new life for themselves there. And what's interesting to me about Paul meeting Priscilla and Aquila is there's no reference in Scripture about Paul converting Priscilla and Aquila to become followers of the way, which is what early Christianity was called. There's no evidence of that in Scripture. So it stands to reason um, that Priscilla and Aquila, in between leaving Rome and arriving in Corinth, experienced a transformation, that they came to know the freeing and saving grace of Jesus Christ, and they became devoted followers of Christ. And what God did was he used this, including bringing Paul and them together as the means of creating a great ministry in the days ahead. And so the fascinating thing for me about this whole story isn't that they were all tent makers. It was that they all shared an intense desire to spread the gospel message far and wide. And so here's what happens next in verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. You know, we just read that Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Uh, if you read the letters uh, in the New Testament, you can infer that Paul stayed in Corinth for about a year and a half. And what he was doing there was he was uh, teaching the Corinthian believers and, and raising up more disciples for Christ. Uh, but he came to a point where he felt like it was time to go back home to Antioch, Syria. That's where his mission began. And so Paul left Corinth to go to Antioch but he didn't go alone. He took Priscilla and Aquila with him. But you'll notice on this map here that our line isn't going from Corinth to Antioch, which, by the way, is beyond the map far to the east. You see that the, the, the route goes from Corinth to Ephesus. Well, the reason why that is is because Priscilla and Aquila never made it to Antioch. And so let's pick up the story in verse 19. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. That's it. <laughs> That's all we get. That's all we get. So, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, we're not told why Paul leaves Priscilla and Aquila there. It just says he left them there. Uh, but it's clear from Paul's letters that they departed as dear, dear friends. I mean, this was not a John Mark situation from two weeks ago when uh, Paul was unsure on whether or not John Mark would be committed to the mission. He knew that Priscilla and Aquila would be committed to this mission. And so if you were to ask me, Tony, why do you think that Priscilla and Aquila stayed behind in Ephesus, that Paul went on alone to Antioch? I, I would say this. I believe that when Priscilla and Aquila came to the church in Ephesus, 
something stirred in them, and they, they, they said, we're going to stay here and build up this church. We're going to strengthen the believers here. We're going to stay in this place. And I truly believe that God called them to do that very thing. You see, they might have thought that their trip was all about going to Antioch, but it was really about going to the church in Ephesus. That was only part of the bigger picture. You know, Antioch got them on the road, but God was bringing them to a different destination than they expected. Uh, you know, God works similarly in our own lives. You may be moving in the right direction, but the destination you end up at is different than you expected. You could be, this could be the right direction for you, and you might be thinking the destination is over here, but maybe the destination is over here. You might be heading in the right direction. Maybe you think the destination is a little further away, but it ends up being a little closer, as in the case of Priscilla and Aquila. But here's the thing. When you are going in the right direction and when you get to that destination, things start to become clear and you begin to understand that God's hand has guided you there all along. And so Priscilla and Aquila, in their case, they had an important job to do. They had something to do that uh, would have an impact, tremendous impact on the rise of Christianity in those times. And here's one of the many reasons, I'm sure, that this dynamic duo stayed behind in Ephesus. You can find it in verses 24 through 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. I think it was a God thing that Priscilla and Aquila stayed in Ephesus. Because by God's design, this man named Apollos comes into their lives. This man who is a sold-out believer for Jesus Christ, but doesn't have a clear understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in baptism. And so Priscilla and Aquila invited them into their home and taught and discipled Apollos. And because of that, God used Apollos in amazing ways. God used Apollos to, to go back to Corinth and to strengthen the believers in that place. Now, you might remember the story that we were looking at today started in Corinth, and it ends in Corinth. So Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila are in Corinth. They go to Ephesus. They meet Apollos. They disciple him, and Apollos leaves, and he goes to Corinth, and he strengthens and disciples the people in that church. And that's really what the gospel life looks like. So what do we learn about this dynamic duo, this power couple, Priscilla and Aquila? What do they teach us about the gospel life? Well, first, Priscilla and Aquila teach, are, are, are faithful. Priscilla and Aquila are faithful. You can, you've got three uh, blanks in your uh, uh, sermon notes, so go ahead and fill that in, faithful. And uh, when Paul first arrived in Corinth, not only was he broke, not only did he need a job like we talked about before, but this is one part that I didn't mention before. Paul was discouraged. 
Paul was in, uh, entirely discouraged. And the reason why was he had just left an attempt at ministering to the people in Athens, which was the intellectual capital of the world at that time. Now, when Paul leaves Athens and arrives in Corinth, you know, he is discouraged. And that's when he met that incredibly faithful couple, Priscilla and Aquila. What they did was they not only invited him into their home, not only gave him a job, but they also encouraged him in the Lord. And listen to this. Meeting Priscilla and Aquila changed the trajectory of Paul's ministry going forward. It changed the trajectory, the shape of Paul's ministry going forward. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us believe Paul was the type of person who was ready to just throw in the towel. I mean, Paul was... Paul was pretty bold. Paul was very stubborn. He was going to keep on going. But in this season, he needed that encouragement, and it helped propel him onto the ministry that he was going to do next. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful to see these supporting cast members uh, encouraging one of God's rising stars to shine for the Lord. And that's what many of us do. We, we encourage one another to shine for God. And their faithfulness was a godsend to Paul, and Paul never forgot it. Paul, Paul never forgot their radical, irrational hospitality. Uh, when you look at the uh, letter of Romans, at the last chapter, Paul has this to say about Priscilla and Aquila and their faithfulness. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Wow, that is truly high praise coming from Paul. And so Priscilla and Aquila were faithful. Second thing, Priscilla and Aquila were available. Priscilla and Aquila were available. You know, although Priscilla and Aquila were busy, busy tent makers trying to make a living for themselves, even though they had been displaced from Rome, even though they were trying to build a new life for themselves in Corinth, that didn't stop them from being available to Paul, to opening up their house and their lives to him. They gave him a place to stay and a way to sustain himself. They supported one of the giants of our faith. And they did the same thing for Apollos. They took this young man in. They taught him the gospel more adequately. And because of that, Apollos went and built up another church. Priscilla and Aquila did it they made themselves available to Apollos to get him to where God wanted him to go next. And if that's not enough for you, they even uprooted their lives, again, this time voluntarily, to move from Corinth to Ephesus. I mean, that's incredible, incredible availability to whatever God had in store for them. Now, do you know what our challenge is in the 21st century? Our challenge is rampant unavailability rampant unavailability. You know, we're living in the most technologically connected time that this world has ever known, and yet we have less and less time for others, less and less time for the people around us. And, you know, we cling to our availability like it's a commodity. And just an example from my own life, I mean, there's been many times where uh, I've, I've waited almost to the day of an event to sign up as a volunteer just because it's that difficult to, to give ourselves in a world that demands every second from us. We're sick, we're tired, we're overworked, and that doesn't lend itself well to being available. But you know what's paradoxical about availability? 
that when we give ourselves to others, we become more energized, not less energized. We begin to feel purpose, planting seeds in our hearts among all the weeds that are there. And those seeds, when they grow, they push the weeds aside, and we begin to realize that those weeds never really added much to our lives after all. In fact, I wouldn't even be standing up here as uh, one of your pastors, or much less as a Christian disciple, if many faithful and available men and women here in this church hadn't come alongside of me uh, when I had questions, when I didn't know the Lord. Uh, these people listened to my story. They, they helped me to understand the ways of God. They ministered Christ to my spirit. We met in classes. We met in small groups. We met in groups that met regularly to pray with one another, to pray for one another, to read scripture and study the Bible together, to understand God's will. And because of that, because they made themselves available to me in a, in a time of rampant unavailability, I came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And in addition to that, I stood up one evening and I declared I was dead once and now I'm alive because the Spirit of God got into me and, and changed everything in my life. And now my whole ministry is based on doing the same thing for others and with others. My joy is seeing you all grow in your faith to move on to that next step and to be available for the gospel message for the sake of others. You know, we have a choice. Do we, uh, do we guard our time and hold back from investing in the people around us, from being available to them? Or in a time of rampant unavailability, do we make ourselves available, not just for the people around us, but to God as well? You know, Brian had a great point earlier that we often are in God's presence, but we're not necessarily acknowledging God's presence. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do it by being in God's word, in scripture, by praying each and every day. We do it by, uh, by cutting back on the pursuits that, uh, that aren't really doing anything for our faith, that are actually pulling us away from our relationship with God. And as I read scripture, one message becomes clear over and over again. And that's this. Our purpose is to love God, love others, and live out the gospel life. That happens when we're available. Third thing we can learn from Priscilla and Aquila is that Priscilla and Aquila were teachable. Priscilla and Aquila were teachable. Have you noticed that some of the best teachers you've ever had in your life were also some of the best students? You know, what's remarkable about this dynamic duo we're talking about today is, is, there, is that they have a capacity to learn, that they have a courage to do new things, to step out boldly in faith for Jesus Christ. You and I know that everything growing is alive, and if we stop growing, that's when we begin to die. And so if your faith is getting stale or it feels like your faith is stalling out, maybe the question you need to ask yourself is this, am I teachable? Let me tell you, in a society like ours that prizes professional competency and achievement, being teachable can seem like weakness. You know, so many people expect that we be the experts in our field, that we have all of the answers. But the truth of the matter is, 
We don't have all of the answers. We never did. And we don't even have all the answers when it comes to our, our faith. You know, Scripture contains all that's necessary for us to, to be saved. That's true. But there are still mysteries of God that we don't fully comprehend, that we can't wrap our minds around. Priscilla and Aquila, you see, they discovered a joy in being teachable. And you know what that joy was? Their joy was in doing things for the Lord that they had never done before because it enabled them not to, not to uh, uh, lean on their own understanding, their own experience. It enabled them to lean on their faith. And so, you know, for all we know, Priscilla and Aquila could have grown up in Rome and vowed when they got to Corinth that we're never moving again. For all we know, Priscilla and Aquila may never have taught another person like they taught Apollos. They may never have had any inclination of teaching somebody. And yet, for God's sake, Priscilla and Aquila were willing to do something new that took them out of their comfort zone. You know, as I've experienced more and more firsts in my own life and in my faith, I am more and more tempted to lean on my own experiences instead of on my faith in God. But the truth of the matter is there's hope for us. We can retain the joy of our first times uh, even if we've done something thousands of times over. I mean, many of you uh, are, have been in the same roles for a long time or do some of the same tasks. And, um, you know, a lot of the time we take those things for granted. We say it's the same thing, all, you know, it's the same, it's a different day, it's the same thing. But honestly, it doesn't have to be that way. There's always something new that we can learn from what it is God has, is doing in our lives right now. And we do it, by maintaining a teachable spirit. That means approaching each and everything we've done before as if it's the first time. And that means being faithful and available to God. You remember, we talked about faithful and available before. These all feed together. If we're faithful and available, we'll be teachable. If we're teachable, we'll be faithful and available. All of these things play together. They feed into each other and make us more like Jesus. Because being faithful, available, and teachable work together and add up to one truth. You ready for this? God wants you and me to be fat Christians. F-A-T. Now, by the way, that's, that's all Pastor John right there. So. <laughs> so God wants us to be fat Christians, faithful, available, and teachable. And you know, it's a silly way to remember what we're learning today, but it's, it's, it's a way we can keep these things in mind. And actually is a little bit more deep than that as well, because in ancient times, somebody who was seen as physically large was thought to be rich because they could afford um, more food than most people. And so when we are faithful, available, and teachable, we are spiritually rich people in God. And that's what it means to live out the gospel life. So a fat life isn't just for the spiritual giants of our faith. It's for those of us who have a support role in the faith, those of us who have quieter roles that we play in God's greater story. You know, today you've learned that Priscilla and Aquila played a small but critical role in not just Paul's story, but in God's story in the first century. You and I are called to play a small but critical role right now, right here, for God's sake, in the 21st century.
So don't let that intimidate you and don't let that stop you from being who it is God called you to be. And it's funny, I look at you right now and I see many, uh, many power couples, many dynamic duos, and, and, even, and even singles here out in the worship center. And I'm sure there's many of you online as well. And I know that many of you don't know uh, who these people are, but here's the thing. God knows who these people are. And isn't that enough? Let's get over ourselves and simply be faithful, available, and teachable. That's all God wants of us because he knows that that's what will bring us to life in our faith. That's what will help us to get from where we are to where God is calling us to be next. This whole series is to help us recognize that we're not the stars of our own show. We are supporting cast members in God's great story. God is the star of this story, and we are called to support the gospel message together. And maybe you feel like you'll, you'll never get noticed. But here's the thing. When we come together as a church community, as a church family, the star of Christ's church will burn brightly for God. I mean, if you doubt that, just look at what happened this week with Rise Against Hunger. We packed over 210,000 meals that are going to be going to El Salvador to help people who are less fortunate and to give them hope for a better future. Because it's not, Rise Against Hunger isn't just the meals that we're packing. They're doing other things behind the scenes as well in order to create a foundation to, to break the chains of poverty in these places that they're serving. And this is something that we all do together. This is something that makes a tremendous impact in our society and in our world. And we do it not because we're expected to do it, we do it because of the grace of God which has been shown to us through Jesus Christ. It's a way of acknowledging God's presence in our lives and God's impact on our hearts. And so as you support the gospel message, God will remember and God will bring us all closer to who it is we are meant to become. Not the stars of our own stories, but sold out supporters of the gospel message here, now, and forever. And so, as we close out this message today, I figured since I'm covering for Pastor John that I would, uh, just this once, steal his phrase. Get it? Good, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and grace in Jesus Christ, which never fails and never ends. I pray today, Lord, that you would do a powerful work in our hearts, that we would together, not just individually, but together be faithful, available, and teachable so that we can invest in one another, that we can invest in the people around us and in this world, that we can bring others to this church and call them brother and sister because they have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, Help us in the midst of this society, in the midst of this rampant unavailability that we find ourselves in. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to prioritize, that we would be able to give more of ourselves to you, to acknowledge your presence in our lives, to be the people that you have created us to be. We thank you so much, God, for your gift of Jesus Christ in our lives. It makes all the difference. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things with gratitude and great expectation. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. Amen.